0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the NHS is going to be rolling out a pill which can cut the risk of breast cancer by as much as half. Anastrazole is a drug already used to treat breast cancer. It may also be used to prevent breast cancer. Now, joining me uh, to talk about all of this is Professor John Crown, consultant oncologist at St. Vincent's Hospital. Uh, John, good morning.
1: Good morning to you, Pat. Now, this is an old
0: drug, which means its safety is probably well understood.
1: That is correct, Pat. It is old. It is relatively cheap. Uh, It has been in use for the treatment of breast cancer for 30-plus years uh, it works only in women who have reached the menopause, whose ovaries are no longer working and making estrogen. For those women, there is still some estrogen made in the body, but it's no longer made in the, estrogen, it's, but in the ovaries, rather. It's made in other parts of the body by a different, different factory, as it were. And, and this drug turns off the production of estrogen, inducing a, low, a lower estrogen state. And we've known for many years that it could reduce the risk of breast cancer coming back in patients who had it, that it could shrink breast cancers in patients who had advanced breast cancer. And an interesting observation which was made was that patients who were on the drug for breast cancer had a lower incidence of breast cancer occurring in the other breast. And this and other scientific observations led to its systematic study uh, as a prevention in patients whose risk of developing breast cancer was felt, you know, high enough that they should perhaps consider taking a preventative
0: treatment. We'll talk about any downsides that might be in in a moment, but the upside is that uh, this is a drug that's out of patent, which means it can be manufactured by the generic people, and uh, therefore it should be cheap.
1: That is correct. It is correct, Uh, although the companies have often found inventive ways of increasing costs when they get new indications for old drugs. But this is a drug that is widely made by a number of generic houses, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be very cheap for for mass use.
0: Now, in Britain, I was reading that uh, almost 300,000 women would be regarded as appropriate for this, and it would be people who carry uh, the BRCA gene, one or two, and maybe another gene. So it is a very specific cohort.
1: Yeah, well in the the study on which this is based, the Ibis 2 trial um uh, the eligibility was even broader than that. Uh, first thing that should be said is if there is a patient listening or a, a person listening, a woman listening, or indeed a man listening who is carrying the, one of the BRCA genes, one of the well-defined genes which can predispose to breast cancer, they need to take serious personal medical advice from their own doctor as to what the right thing to do. It's not just as simple as taking the, taking the tablet. Um, but in the IBIS-2 trial, there were other patients whose risk was defined rather more broadly. It also included patients who had a, a high-risk family history. Uh, patients, we'll say, who had two first-degree relatives or one relative who had cancer in both breasts or somebody who had a number of well-recognized non-malignant breast conditions which can predispose to cancer. Uh, and these were the, the different groups which we looked at in the IBIS-2 trial, and these were the ones uh, who were targeted in the study. So it, it's very encouraging. It is reduced in that group. The risk of getting breast cancer is reduced by 50%.
0: Now, we want to get to any downsides there might be, I mean, are there side effects to this drug?
1: Correct. So, the best way to think of this is that they, they tend to be the side effects of menopause only a bit worse uh, and I don't want to trivialize them because some of them can be can be quite disabling. Um, for instance, in the study it's very telling that three quarters, three quarters of patients on the study completed the treatment, one quarter could not tolerate it for whatever reason. Um, interestingly, that was also the case in the placebo group. The major side effects um, that patients will be aware of are stiffness in the joints, actually in some cases quite sore joints, it's like arthritis pain. This is common. It's usually relatively mild. When patients understand what is causing it, they can usually deal with it. But for some patients, it really is life-changing, and and it becomes intolerable. And I would say of the patients I give this drug to for breast cancer, perhaps as many as 10 or 15% ultimately make a decision to come off the drug and to go on to a different type of tablet instead, which is slightly less effective, but does not cause that side effect. Hot flushes can get worse. But from a medical point of view, there are a couple of side effects which I, I think have made us all just pause for a second before widely prescribing the drugs. And they are thinning of the bones or osteoporosis, which obviously women are more at risk for when they get uh, past the menopause. Oestrogen protects uh, women's bones from from bone thinning. And there's no doubt that osteoporosis is more common. Interestingly, in the ibis II trial where they looked at this, there there wasn't with long-term follow-up, there wasn't any major problem with excess fractures. And I think this reflects the fact that patients that are on these drugs are monitored carefully for... The, the strength of their bones and whether they should take supplemental medicine to strengthen the bones, cholesterol can go up. But again, in the IBIS trial, there wasn't any compelling evidence for an increase in cardiovascular side effects. And my patients, in general, who are on drugs like of this type, we generally tell them to get their cholesterol checked and to act appropriately to it.
0: Now, I'm intrigued by something you said there, John, that in this IBIS study, that uh, one quarter of the people who were taking the drug Anastrazole Uh, came off it because they couldn't tolerate it. But in the placebo group, a quarter couldn't tolerate something that was totally harmless.
1: Uh, quite similar, yeah. It's it's an interesting. Now you have to remember, of course. Now this is this is different to a cancer trial. These were not patients who had cancer personally themselves. So the level of personal motivation for completing a trial is obviously somewhat different in people that actually are told mm-hmm. you've got cancer. There's a risk it will come back. There's a risk it will be fatal, and you should take this medication than it is for people you know taking it rather more speculatively who who in truth understand that there's a 50% chance they're not taking the drug at all. Um, So, uh, some of that may be due to intolerance, some of it just may be due to the the extra workload involved in the monitoring which is associated with the trial. An interesting point that has to be made here, Pat, and one of the reasons why there's been a little hesitation, I mean, we've been been aware of the data for quite a while. It's not as obvious that this makes a difference to the death rate. It It makes a really big difference to the chance of getting breast cancer. It reduces by about one half. And, and what's more, with long follow-up, that, that that reduction persists many years after the five years of medication are over. But it has a much less compelling impact on overall survival. Now, there are all kinds of statistical reasons for that, but one of the, the obvious ones that people will ask is, rather than giving everybody the tablet to reduce the risk of breast cancer by 50%, are we not better just giving the tablet to people who get breast cancer? Now, the arithmetic was done by somebody and they worked out that 27 women have to take the tablet for five years to prevent one breast cancer diagnosis being made. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, there's going to be a lot of discussion, I think, on the public policy level that the data aren't different. There's going to be a lot of discussion at the public policy level about how we should handle this over the next while and I, I, I welcome a big debate with all our very well informed breast cancer and breast cancer advocate, patient advocate communities looking at it. But um, we we will really need to make some serious thoughts about this. It's not just in this there are other situations as well where this applies where mass medicating large numbers of people for a relatively small benefit needs to be weighed up against the alternative strategy of simply giving giving the treatment when it is really, really needed. Now, when you consider how, even for all the people who are cured, all the people who are cured of breast cancer, which thankfully is most of them nowadays, how disruptive to life, how life-changing breast cancer treatment can be, I think many women will think this is a good deal. Uh, If I can reduce the chance that I have to go through uh, breast surgery, surgery to my armpit, radiotherapy, possibly chemotherapy and and longer years of medication, if I actually am diagnosed with breast cancer, they will say, you know what, maybe five years of this is a good deal.
0: Mm. Um, The the interesting thing in the report in the Times of London this morning uh, suggested, you know, if so many women took this and if half of them completed the course, it could save 15 million a year. And if you do the math for Ireland, by comparison, you're talking about saving a million a year. Um, that's not a massive saving in the context of the billions we pour into our health service.
1: No, it's, it, it's, it, I don't believe that would be a good enough reason to do it. But I, I think for the, the question is, is is it good to reduce the burden of cancer? And I think the answer is is probably yes. Uh, and I think we will be critically looking at this new, these new British guidelines and, and wondering should they be applied more generally.
0: All right. Well, that discussion uh, hopefully will ensue and we come to the right decision on it. Professor John Crown, consultant oncologist at St. Vincent's Hospital in Dublin, uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News